This is a Teofil Rewind. I know sometimes Christianity can sound so cliche. Sometimes it's really as simple as that. Just letting go and letting God. We talked about last night that God doesn't force himself. So there's a part we have to play. We have to let God, allow God. He doesn't force himself upon us because then the devil would accuse him. They didn't ask you. They didn't call upon you. But when you call on God, the Bible says he'll be there before. So go ahead and be blessed. Praise God. I'm excited. I'm excited. Pastor, just, Achilles, thank you so much for the invitation and to all the other pastors and co-pastors and, and all of those that are in support. It's been a blessing. And just thank you for blessing us. This is a blessing for us to be here and to minister and to worship and fellowship with you. Let's bow our heads together and ask God's presence to just remain with us. Father, we thank you, oh God, for what you've already done. Thank you for the testimonies. Thank you for the songs, the worship. Thank you, God, for the offerings, the gifts that have been given. We pray now for your presence to remain here in a very powerful way. Please, oh God, rebuke the works of Satan. Bind him and curse him once again so that only your name is glorified. Please do not allow anyone to resist your voice tonight. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. As I preach, I'm also listening. Let the church of God say amen. 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 Re-engage. That's what we've been talking about. Re-engage. I've been re-engaged. I've been uh, uh, um, encouraged and empowered. Even just in the last 24 hours, excited about connecting with God over and over and over again. That's why he says, give us this day our daily bread so that we can connect with God on a regular basis. Engage just simply means to participate or become involved in. Last night we talked about one of the primary goals of the enemy, of Satan, is to get you disengaged, to separate you, to cause fear to come upon you and immobilize you so that you are no longer engaged. And so re-engage just simply means to participate or become involved once again. And we're going to talk about re-engaging. That's what we've been dealing with these last couple days, and we'll continue to deal with that even on tomorrow, about engaging and re-engaging. The Word of God says that the Lord, then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. Amen, somebody. I will make a helper who is just right for him. Boy, God thought this thing out, and he thought it through. He knew what he was doing. Oftentimes, this text is used at weddings, refers to the marriage relationship, but it's actually broader than that. It's about being social. It's about being in relationship in general with God's creation. God created us to be a social human being. He created, he created us to interact and engage with one another. This is why COVID has been so difficult. Because it's the opposite of what God intended for mankind, for us to come together. The word of God says, forsake not yourselves of coming together to worship. But COVID has done the opposite. It's pulled us apart and it's created depression. It's de created anxiety, loneliness. When God said, it's not good that man, mankind, should be alone. That's exactly what the enemy has sought to do disengage us, separate us, more powerful. He feels like he's more powerful when he can get you by himself because then you come up with your own thoughts, your own reasoning, your own 
logic of being disengaged. In the Bible, God refers to himself on several occasions, and these are all of the times that I was able to find it. If you find another one, please let me know. But these are all the times in the Bible where God introduces himself. He tells you who he is. And you've heard it before. This is where God says, oh, you don't know who I am? Let me tell you who I am. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, my God, I can see Abraham. I can see Isaac. But Jacob, that rascal was a hoodlum. He had some issues. You know, God... God is associating himself. He's introducing himself by associating himself with human beings. Now, if I was God, I said, no, 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 I, I'm just God. I, I, I'm just stuck with the I am part. But he says, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The Jacob part struck me because Jacob wasn't even his his, his, his uh his converted name, his church name, his come to Jesus name, that name was Israel. But God said, Jacob, God left his hood name on him. He says, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and the hood man, Jacob. That let me know that God wasn't ashamed of what you were, but he was grateful for what you've become. I wish I had somebody following me now. God is letting you know that, 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 that no matter how far you stray, no matter how you mess up, no matter how terrible things are in your lives, I'm still going to identify you with me. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I am the God of the one who has a drug addiction. I am the God of the one who, who has been divorced. I am the God of the one who, who, who has an alcoholic problem. I am the God of the one who's been disbarred from the church, the one that society looks down upon. He says, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and yes, even you, Jacob. You swindled your father out of a blessing. Your mom, you and your mama lied. You were just a terrible somebody, but yet I included you in my tree. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and yes, Somebody ought to be glad that God still identifies with you. Somebody in here. You know, I know how it is sometimes when we've been in the church for a long enough time, we grow angel sprout wings, and we don't think that there's anything wrong with us anymore. But I'm here to tell you that every one of us in here are toe up from the flow up, and without Jesus, we would be nothing. God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. There's one reference in Mark chapter 16, verse 7, that really hit me to, to solidify this point that I'm trying to make with you. It's in the book of Mark chapter 16, verse 7. The, the women had come to go and anoint the body of Jesus. And when they got to the tomb, he was no longer there. There was a man there in the form of an angel, and the angel said, he is no longer here, the one whom you seek. He has gone on. He's gone ahead. And he had a message for them. And this is the message that the angel gave to the women there. He says, now go and tell his disciples. 
When I saw this text, it made me want to shout. Because I said, wait a minute, this is Jesus now. After he's been crucified, and after his boy denied him. His boy, Peter, the one with the loudest mouth, the one that says, I will never let him come up in here. I got your back, Jesus. I will follow you all the way to the cross. I'll follow you wherever you go. All the rest of these clowns is talking all that stuff, but I'm going to be with you. But his boy, Peter, denied him not once, not twice, but three times. But look what the angel said. He says, now go and tell his disciples, including Peter. I feel like I'm by myself up here. Tell Peter that the one that you seek, tell him that Jesus is going ahead to Galilee. You will see him there just as you told him before he died. Did you, when I saw that, I'm like, you included Peter? I wouldn't have included Peter. Y'all know you wouldn't have included Peter. Come on, talk to me. Some of you don't even let people back in the church that's messed up. No, don't let them back up here. No, they can't do it again. No, they can't be, no, 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 no. Nope, I told them that they messed up. No, she was off key. She can't sing no more. Nope, nope, nope. But Jesus says, even the one that denied me, let them know that we still family. Let them know that I still love them. Let them know that I have not cast them. I wish we could be more like Jesus, where we don't just cast people aside because they messed up. Jesus reminds us that I am the God of Abraham, Isaac and the messed up church because family matters that's our subject tonight family matters to God God is big on family when he created man that was what in his mind that's what was in his mind family so yeah tell Peter too why because he's family yeah, include Jacob? Yeah, Jacob. Yeah, Israel? Yeah, Jacob. He family. Try to teach me a powerful lesson about the importance of family. One writer says that a well-ordered family is one of the best testimonies we can present to the world of the value of our religion. This living testimony has more weight than sermons and professions. Don't you know people are looking at you and your family? They hear all the scripture you quote. They hear all the songs you sing. They see all of the religious external garb that you wear, but what they're watching is you and how you deal with your family. They can go further than any sermon can ever go. How do you treat your wife? You love your, my wife told me one time, because you know when you're a preacher, they want your bio and they read all of these accolades. They've been here, and they've done that, and they've been to this school, and they've been to that school, and they're wonderful. And all the people are like, yes, amen, praise God. And my wife said, that ain't the man that lives in my house. She said, I ain't feeling that. I said, oh. So I had to become the man that God wanted me to be and not the man that the church thought that I was. How do you treat your family? That's what people will look at because family matters to God. If family matters to God, then I think it should matter to you. If we go through the Bible and we look at the main characters, the leading men, and you look at the stuff that they've done, you would wonder, 
why did God use any of these characters? Because they all got issues. They got problems. Let's take a look at the few. Would you choose these men if you were God? Let's take a look at Adam. Let's start with Adam. Adam followed his wife rather than God. Nope, he's out. I wouldn't have chose him. Noah drank too much. Nope, he's out. Abraham was too old and had baby mama drama. He's out. Moses was short-tempered, murdered, and had a speech impediment. Can't use him. Solomon was a player. David was a murderer and an adulterer. Are you listening to me? Peter had a cussing problem and denied Christ three times. Paul was holier than thou, legalist, impatient, and had a bad temper. Elijah was suicidal. Joseph was prideful, daddy's favorite, and family drama. Job went bankrupt. Gideon was a scaredy cat. Samson loved him some women. Jacob was a cheater. Jonah was on the run. And the disciples all fell asleep doing prayer and took off when trouble came. Can't use none of them. You will not get past the board. You will not be voted in. But yet God used them. You know why? Because family matters. Oh, you thought I was going to leave you out, ladies? Some women up in there too. Come on, we can't, we can't. God is an equal opportunity blesser. Are you listening to me? He blessed him. Eve was covetous and wanted it all. Rebecca was a gold diggling, digging swindler. Sarah was obsessed and impatient. Leah stole her sister's man. Naomi was too single. Samaritan woman was divorced. Sapphira lied about the tithe and offering. Lot's wife was a material girl. Martha was an OCD and worrier. Rahab was a liar. Oh, and have mercy. But when you take a look at it, there was only one person, one person that could fit the bill. And I need to switch back to this again because my stuff's not clicking. Let me go on back to this so I can get to the one that I need to. But when you look at all of these, now we went down the men and we went down to the women. And we saw all of them. But when Pilate, Pilate was standing there, he himself said, I find no fault. In this man, there is only one. When we get on our judgmental high horse, looking down our noses at people, I, I'm going to tell you all something. I used to be one of them. Man, I used to be the most religious quack in the church. You couldn't even eat a piece of cheese around me because you were going to hell if you didn't eat everything that I thought you should eat. People, I hung up on a whole bunch of religious uh, 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 traditions, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with tradition, but they get caught up and they get judgmental, and I was one of them, and I'm so glad God has, I ain't completely there yet, but I'm glad God has brought me, because when I look at it, I'm messed up, and there's only one in which I can find no fault, and his name is Jesus Christ. It's not the elder, it's not the pastor, it's not the deacon, it's not who we hold in high regard. The only one that is capable, that's worthy, is Jesus Christ. He is the lamb without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. We should never forget that. So when anybody comes to the house of God that wants to come to Jesus, you get out of the way and let them find Christ Jesus because he's the only one with no fault. Even the best of men and women in the Bible, all of them had issues. But the reason why is because family matters to God. So now let me ask you a question. What's your story? 
People like, Pastor, good stories. Nobody likes a boring story. The reason that you watch movies and they draw you in is because they have a great storyline. I remember there was times when I was hooked on certain certain series and certain shows. You could not interrupt me. You could not call me. You could not pull me away because the story drew me in. Well, you have to have a story. You have to. When y'all got up tonight, this gentleman here and that sister back there, y'all were telling a story. And I was on the edge of my seat. I, I was sitting, I was like, oh my goodness, come and tell, tell more, tell more, tell more. I would love to sit down and talk more with you and talk more with you. You know why? Because you have an interesting story. Nobody wants a boring story. Some of your angels are bored to death. You know why? Because y'all don't do nothing. You got some angels going, oh, I'm so bored, Lord. Why? Because they don't do nothing. They don't have no faith. They don't try nothing. They don't step out. All they do is go home, go to work, go here, go to bed, go to here. Go. Lord, give me some action. Give me somebody that's stepping out on nothing and believing that something is there. Now, those people have a story. When, 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 when we get to heaven, when, when we get to heaven, there's going to be a long line behind one disciple. Longer than the others, because everybody wants to talk to him. It's going to be your boy Peter, the one that denied Christ. You know why? Because Peter, while all the rest of the disciples was on the boat doing this, I'm scared. Peter said, Lord, if that's you, bid me to come. And that rascal did something no man had ever done in history. He stepped out of a working boat and began to walk on water. He was able now to tell a story that the rest of the rascals in the boat could not tell. Well, were, were you, did you, no, no, that way. Who, who's the one that walked on, oh, that would be Peter. His line is over there. See that long line? Everybody's asking him. You know why? Because he's got a story. All of these people who want to play it safe, and, and they give up at the first sign of trouble, and they can't take anything, and it's over with, and they're like, oh, God, I can't take this. They don't have a story. Their story's all the same. But I want to talk to the people who believe God can do Step out onto a dark night. See, the Titanic and movies like that make it seem like it was so beautiful. Oh, the water's so blue and soft and warm. No, it's cold and dark. And Peter had to step out of, out of his comfort zone into cold and darkness and trust that what everybody else thought was a ghost, that Jesus had given him a command. So my question for you tonight, would you be able to come up here and tell a story that would make people sit forward in their seat and listen. Or would you say, oh, heard that before. Yeah, same old, same old church stuff. That's why, that's why a lot of young people don't really get into church. How oh, you heard that? Yeah, I've been hearing it all my life. But when you show young people the power of God through your own living testimony, you're like, what? What, what did you say? What, what, this, this is what happened to you? The Bible says, and they defeated him by the blood of the lamb and by their what? By their what? I can't hear nobody. By their testimony. That's their story. They defeated the devil because they had a story. I was scared to death to come back out in public. Lord, I don't want to catch COVID. And I caught COVID. My wife and I both had COVID. I get an invitation to come to church. I said, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. What's y'all's protocol? Y'all got COVID protocol? I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. My story for the last year has been boring. What you been doing? Uh, I've been at home doing Zoom online. 
It's time to change that story, bro. It's time to tell a story. It's time to have a testimony of what God can do. And they overcame by the word. This is what puts the devil out. It says they defeated him by the word of their testimony. You defeat the devil by reminding him of the power of God in your life. I mean, you brought this scripture up tonight. And when you brought this scripture up, I said, wow, okay, God, I see where you're going. I'm going to tell you up front. I'm a very transparent person. I'm going to tell you why I'm transparent. Because I believe you tell God your business and people your testimony. Don't do it the other way around. Because if you tell people your business, they're going to judge you and treat you accordingly. But you tell God your business, and then when God has delivered you, now you tell your testimony. Because they can't do nothing about it now. Are y'all listening to me? <laughs> I like that. Tell God your business and tell the church your testimony. Oh, you used to be a drunk? Yeah, I used to be. Don't tell them, I'm a drunk. Right? Oh, we got to have a meeting on him. Don't tell them that right now. Let God work on you. Let him give you a story. You know why? Because family matters to God. I used to hate this text. I hated it. And if I had not, God had not given me a story, when you quoted it tonight, I would have been like, ah, oh, there it is again. There's that same old text. What does that text mean? And you know why I hate it? I'm going to tell you why I hate it. Because you should never hate the word of God. But I'm going to tell you why I hated this text. Because this was, was, this was the typical cliche Christian text. It was the go-to text when you didn't know what else to say to somebody. So I would come to you, pastor, and I would say, pastor, man, I just lost my job, man. COVID took me out with this job, and I got a wife and children, and I got bills to pay. And pastor would say, and we know that all things work to you. I said, pastor, that's great, but do you got a check you could pass me? You, can you cash out me right quick? Can you zail me? Because I know all of that, but I'm struggling. That was... Pastor, my mother just died. Oh. And we know that all things, that's all you got. Man, I'm hurting. I'm broken. I'm trying to figure out whether or not I still want to even believe in God. And you're going to throw this text in my face? And we know that all things, and they would say it with such pride. And like they said something. Man, I, know, I, 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 can, I can say that. What can you do about this pain I'm feeling? This fear that I'm facing? This discouragement? So I hated that. Don't say that text. I don't want to hear it. And God said, he pulled me aside. I said, okay, boy. Time to grow. Come on, come on, come on. I'm going to show you something. Come on, come on. So I'm going to show you. So I'm going to show you what this text means. He said, you need to understand one word. I said, what word is that, Lord? He said, you need to understand this word called prerequisites. Okay, what's a prerequisite, Lord? Okay, so I'm going to tell you. Prerequisite is required as a prior condition or course of study. Something that is required in advance. Something that is necessary for something else to be done or to happen. So you cannot take, those of you college students, those of you who've been in school, you cannot take English 102 until you've taken English. All right, absolutely. That's a prerequisite. You can't move here until you've done this. Okay, if you want to be a nurse or a doctor in the medical profession, probably a good prerequisite is not to faint at the sight of blood. If you want to be an airline pilot or you want to do things that require being way up high, a prerequisite is probably not to be afraid of heights. If you call yourself a Christian or a child of God or a disciple of Christ, one of the prerequisites is you have to like people. I can't hear nobody. 
you got to love all people. Come on, talk to me. You got to love all people, red, yellow, black, and white. The ones that speak Creole and the ones that don't. Are y'all now listen to me? You got to realize that everybody living in your community ain't part of your culture. You got to love everybody. That's a prerequisite of being a disciple of Christ. Christ included, uh, uh, what's his name, what's his name, Matthew on his team. The, the one that was taking money from the Jews. Christ said, Get, I love that new show called The Chosen. Get used to different. So I said, okay, now I understand prerequisites, Lord. He said, okay, now let's keep learning. Now let's look at this text again. Okay, God. He said, I'm going to show you the prerequisites of this text in order for you to apply it to your life. Prerequisite number one, and we know that all things work together for them that prerequisite number one, you got to love God. This text will do you no good if you don't love God. You can quote it day and night. Will not work, will not do anything applicable to your life unless you first of all decide that you love God. How many of y'all love God? That was easy. That was too easy. That was too easy. I believe you, but it was too easy, you know, because Peter believed he loved God. Judas believed he loved God. We believe it's easy to say I love God when you are sitting on a padded pew and everything is well, family's well, y'all got food in your refrigerators right now, don't you? Everybody leaving here tonight knows they have a comb and a lock and a key that they can go open the door. But if you were sitting here and you did not know where your next meal was coming from, if you were sitting here and your loved one was in the hospital dying with COVID, would you still quickly raise your hands and say, I love God? thought I love God. God showed me you don't love me, boy. You love my fish and my loaves. You don't love me. Just a reminder, before you enter the kingdom of heaven, you're going to know whether or not you really love God. Prerequisite number one. Don't quote this text unless you have qualified and filled prerequisite number one. Love God. Number two, you got to be called by the God you love. How many of y'all been called? Don't be afraid to raise your hand. This is no condemnation, but you should be able to raise your hand just as quick as you raise it on the first one. Because if you don't know, whew, help me, the Lord just gave this to me. This probably needs to be tweeted out. Thank you, Jesus. If you don't know if you're called, then you won't know who's calling you. Last night, we showed how the devil can call you. You've got to be called by God. Because when you're called by God, you will answer his call. Not all calls are for you to go where the call is telling you to go. You're 25, 30 years old, you're like, how did I end up with him? That was the wrong call. You've got to go with God. Prerequisite number three, now that you love God and now that you've been called by God, now you've got to do it his way. See, some folk get two out of three. That ain't good enough. I love you, God. I've been called by you, God, but I want to do it this way. <laughs> I want to be the pastor. No, you're going to be the greeter at the door. I've got a master's degree, yep, and you're going to work at Walmart for about three years. I want to do it my way. When God showed me that, I said, okay, Lord, I'm ready for this text now. Now I know everything will work out 
for my good. I love the NLT version. The NLT version says, and God causes things. That means God takes something bad and he flips it and causes it to work out for good for those who follow the prerequisites of God. Those are the prerequisites. So here's three. Number one, love God supremely no matter what. What's your story? You got to love him supremely no matter what. I'm still learning to love God. I'm still learning to love him. I thought I loved him like I thought I loved him, but I don't. He shows me that on the record. Because I ask him, show me, Lord, where my love is inefficient, where it's weak, where I think I'm standing. Jesus was so deep. I wish I could have walked with me some Jesus. Because he was so smooth. I wish I could have walked with him on earth. Jesus is taking a nice little stroll. And one of these graduates from the theological seminary, just graduated, top of his class, cum laude cadi. He was the man. And he said, I'm going to watch me. Because Jesus ain't never been to school. He from Nazareth, you know that. Can't think of my, right, right. Carpenter's son, right? He don't know the book. He, don't, you know, he, don't, he doesn't have the formal training. Watch me, watch me mix this cat up. So he, he's up there front for all his boys. And he walks up to Jesus and says, tell me, Jesus. He's like, watch it, watch it. What's the greatest commandment of all? But you didn't teach you that. I learned that in Theology 506. Jesus smooth with that seamless gown. Just smooth. He didn't say a whole lot of words. Jesus didn't do a whole lot of fronting and talking. See, one of the reasons that the devil, can I take my time tonight, y'all? It's Saturday night, right? Okay, let me take my time. Please. So Jesus was smooth. One of the reasons that church folk get in trouble a lot is because they talk too much. Jesus didn't talk a whole lot, but when he talked, it was powerful. I wish I had somebody talk to me. It was powerful. We, 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 we try to fix everything by talking. Jesus got a whole storm going on. Everybody's talking about all this sailor and nautical talk and, 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 and seaman talk. What are we going to do? Starboard left, starboard right, toss left, toss right. They, they just talk a bunch of talk. Jesus wakes up and he says three words. Peace, be still. And a whole storm stops. Just few words. And we get mad and we want to go to another church. Jesus had learned how to deal with church. See, the guy that asked the question was a church guy. Church folk, listen to me. Now, I've been in church all my life. I told you I was literally born in the I've been in church all my life. And let me tell you something from my experience. Church folk can hurt you more than anybody else. Are you listening to me? Because I know what to expect for that cat out there. I know what to expect from that cat. But when I come to the church and you give me that God bless you, God is good all the time, and then I walk away with a dagger in my back, bleeding. You got to learn. If you're going to get the glory, you got to learn how to deal with church folk. The people that gave Jesus the most trouble was church folk. Leaders, pastors, Church folk, the ones who knew the law. It wasn't the regular common people. It wasn't a woman at the well. It wasn't a woman caught in adultery. It was church folk that gave him problems. And you think you're just going to skate in the glory without having to deal with church folk? The best way to deal with church folk is not talk too much. When you come up in church, where you been? I ain't seen you in so long. You say, well, God bless you. I really didn't come here to see you. I came to see Jesus. Keep on lifting up his name. 
And then when things ain't going right at the church, you want to go to another church. But you say, I'm not, I'm going to go and find me another Haitian church. I cannot deal with this church anymore. So you go to another church, you find another church. Guess what's there? More church folk. <laughs> Can't run from them. You better learn how to deal with them. Learn how to love them. Now that will teach you whether or not you love God. Whether or not you can deal with a church folk who's talking about you, your family, and stand at the door and shake their hand, smile, and mean it. Now that's some love right there. Because God knows there's been many times I wanted to take a cordless microphone and throw it at somebody and kill them. What? You said, what about my wife? Pastor, you can tell me. Being in the ministry, you better love some Jesus. Because church folk will eat you up and spit you out. And then you got to go down, stand before them, and preach life into their devilish souls. Jesus was smooth. He didn't spend a whole lot of time arguing with church folk. When you know your word, you ain't got to argue. The word does the speaking. Jesus said, you want to know the answer to that? He said, yeah. He said, okay. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. He pulled out. He said, man, I didn't see the word that had. They didn't teach me what we used to talk about love the Lord your God. His brother's deep. What? He said, man, I got to get back with you. I ain't never heard that one before. Jesus was making it clear. You're trying to keep all these commandments. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. He said, if you get this one right and the second one right, because Jesus gave him a bonus. He said, the second one is like to do it. Love thy neighbor as thyself. He said, if you get that one right and the second one right, all the rest of them will just flow right in line. Love God, that's the cross. Listen to me. That's the cross. Vertical and horizontal praise. Love God and love your neighbor. That's the cross. Jesus said, I'm just going to give you the cross. You want me to pick one to try to trap me? I'm just going to give you the cross. Love God supremely. One of my favorite Bible characters, the one that most sermons have been preached about, most books have been written, and most movies have been made, is a boy named Joseph. Joseph was toe up from the flow up. He had a bad, bad experience. His family was jacked up. Don't you think that new jacked up families have only started happening now? Jacked up families have lasted, have been around forever. And Joseph had a jacked up family. It was all mixed up and intermingled and tore up. His brothers burned down the city. They had to leave. His sister got raped. If there was any reason for somebody to be jacked up, it should have been Joseph. His own brother sold this rascal into slavery. Was going to kill him, but they put him in a pit, sold him in slavery. Now he's in slavery. Now he's outside and he's walking around. I'm talking about loving God now. Joseph is outside. He's a, he's a teenager now. And there's another character in the story. Her name is Miss Potiphar. And Miss Potiphar is riding along, checking out the new slaves. She turns and she sees Joseph. The Bible says Joseph was goodly to look upon. Ladies, that means he was fine. Whenever the Bible uses the word goodly, that means they look good. Joseph was fine. And Miss Potiphar said, who is that? She said, let's get him in the house. So they got Joseph in the house. Joseph is in the house now. Remember, he's messed up, sold in the slave. He don't know what's going on. He's in the house. Now she's making passes at him. She's coming at him. She's like, oh, look at that. 
Listen, brother, let me talk to the brothers for a minute. Just because you married don't mean that the devil ain't coming after you. There is only one way to deal with temptation from a woman. Run. Very fast. The Bible says that Joseph ran. Now, the wife, now she, she put her grips on him. She finally gripped him up, got him locked up. Bam! Joseph was like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Now, remember, he's a teenager, so he had never felt the body of a woman. So he's like, oh, what is this? Oh, my goodness. So he's got to make a decision. So the only thing he could think of was he says, okay, I got on a loose robe. So he, he, he squirmed and he squiggled and he, and he came and came out of his robe, left it and ran. And the Bible says, not only did he run, he got out of the house. That's why I keep telling my young people, stop wearing all these tight clothes. You never know when you got to come out of them. <laughs> Your stuff all tight. You can't get loose when the devil comes. You better have something looser. But when you got on all that tight stuff, how the devil got me? <laughs> you got to stay loose and ready to go. Joseph had a loose clothing so he could be loose from the devil. Now Joseph is facing Potiphar. In Joseph's mind, he's probably thinking, this is going to turn out good. Why? Because I did a good thing. I obeyed God. I trusted God. And God will reward me. Because all things work together for good. So Joseph's sitting now before Potiphar. And Potiphar says, for what you have done, which in Joseph's mind was not sleep with his wife, you're going to get sentenced to prison. I wish I could come down. I hate COVID. I wish I could come down. I like to, I like to come back. I want to come down there where you all are because I want y'all to see my face. This is the most difficult part, in my opinion, of being a Christian. Maybe you can identify. Have any of you ever obeyed God? Obeyed him to the hill? I mean, sacrificed and obeyed. Trusted him. Endured pain and suffering. And yet, the more you obey, it seems like the worse things get. Anybody ever been there? That's when people are ready to give it up. They're ready to say, I got to let this thing. I can't get it. Joseph is going to prison now. But Joseph was asked the question. Why did you do this? He says, he said, no one here has authority, has more authority than I do. He's talking about himself. He said, I got authority in this house. He says, he has held back nothing from me except you. He's talking to the woman now. Because you are what? His wife. The young man had respect for marriage. He said, now, how could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against Pharaoh. Against Potiphar. Against who? God, this young man who was thrust into slavery had enough connection with God. He was engaged with God enough to say that this is not about Pharaoh. It's not about Potiphar. This is about my love for God. Men, when you are obedient and when you are faithful to your wife, I know you love your wife, but it's more about your relationship with God. 
So Joseph said, I'm going to prison. So he loved God supremely no matter what. Now, when you go into your dungeon after obeying God, we tend to disengage. We tend to get disconnected. But what I'm telling you is what you have to do in order to have a story, you have to work with all diligence no matter what. I told you last night I don't do stories. I don't, I don't tell sermons, don't preach sermons that I have not lived. I remember years ago when I was just getting ready to go to college, I needed a job really bad. And I found this job at a grocery store. I applied. And they wanted to hire me as a bag, uh, a, a, a courtesy clerk, better known as a bag boy. Just bagging groceries. I didn't know anything about bagging groceries, but I needed a job. So I'm bagging, so that I said, help me back. So the guy didn't want to give me the job. I said, man, please give me a job. I need a job bad. I said, I'll work any shift, any day. I said, I said, okay. I said, he, he, he said, he said, he said, I said, you don't even have to pay me. Don't pay me for the first month. And if I don't work out, then let me go. He said, you know anything about working? I said, I know nothing about working in a grocery store. He said, I like you. I'm going to hire you. I said, sir, I have one request, please. I said, I was kind of like Chick-fil-A back in the day. I said, there's one day that I'd like to have off to be able to worship God. You know, Chick-fil-A has Sunday off. All the employees are off so that they can worship God. I said, I want one day. Six days, I labor and do all the way. I said, look, I have one day. I was really involved with my church. I said, I just want one day to worship God. He said, that's going to be kind of tough. I said, let me have it. He said, all right, you got it. He said, one month. So I go in, and I don't know nothing about bagging. They didn't train me. I'm just bagging. That's the back in the day. So there's this one check stand lady. She heard about me. She said, who is this new guy? I said, his name's Gary James. How come he always gets this day off? I don't know. I don't ever get that day off. How come he got to get off? I don't know. He may work out something. So she didn't like me. So she went after me. Whenever she would have this huge grocery order, she'd call me. Gary, check out on check stand five. So I'd go out on check stand five. She, and that's when they first installed those new, those new beeper checkouts. And so she said, are you ready? I said, yeah, I'm ready. So she'd be like, doop, 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 doop. She'd be like, I said, can you slow down a little bit? Doop, 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 doop. I said, can you slow down a little bit? Doop, doop. I didn't know nothing about bagels, so I'm putting groceries all in the wrong place. I'm just putting eggs with washing powder. The customer is yelling at me, don't you know how to bag? What's wrong with it? Where did y'all get it from? And she's just up there, doo, 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 doo. I'm trying to bag groceries. Finally, I figured out enough. And then there's two carts. And one of the things that the bag boys did not like doing is what's called carry out, carrying people's groceries out to the car. They hated that. It's more time, more work. But she would always volunteer me. She would say, and Gary would love to take your groceries out to the car. So here I am, Pastor, lugging these out. And it was up in Seattle when I lived there. And it was always raining in Seattle. And I would always get the customers who forgot where they parked. Right. Uh, where did they park? Where did they park? Where did I park? So I try to help them find a finding car. It's raining. It's cold. And then when they find the car, where did I put my keys? Like, la! So I get all that done. This whole ordeal takes almost 30 minutes, y'all. Everybody's laughing at me. Look at the new guy. Look at the new guy. I come back in the store drenched, tired, frustrated, and I hear it again. Gary, check out on check 10 5. I go to check 10 5, and we start the process all over again. Doop, 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 doop. I'm getting depressed. I'm getting discouraged. I'm getting disengaged. I'm getting separated. 
I'm looking at the backboard. People who came in behind me, I'm looking at the board now. People who came in after me are getting promoted over me. So I said, I'm in my dungeon now like Joseph. I'm in my dungeon. But you got to work with all diligence no matter what. Like Joseph did. Joseph went to work. So I said, uh, uh, boss, can I take some, can I take some, some, some stuff home? He said, what do you want? I said, I want to take a whole bunch of bags. That's when they had the big paper bags. I said, can I take some of those home? He said, yeah, take them home. So I grabbed me a, a heater and I marched home. And when I got home, I said, mom, can I borrow your groceries? Can I borrow your groceries and the big tables? She said, yeah, okay. She said, don't, just don't mess up my stuff. So I got her groceries. And then I said, little sister, can I borrow you? I called my little sister. I said, okay, little sister, I need you to play the checker. That's the role you're going to play. And I need you to do this. Do, do, do. And I set up a long table. And I want you to slide it down the table. And I opened up me some bag. And I said, we did this for hours. And I'm not, sister, I said, let's do it again. Do, 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 do. We did this. It was about 10 o'clock at night. And my sister was like, I'm tired. I said, keep on checking. I said, all right, I'm done. I go back in the store. Because before that, I was beginning discouraged. I was getting depressed. I began to sing the, 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 the Christian woes. Nobody knows the trouble I see. Nobody knows. You ever seen Christians that sing that song? Everything's wrong with them. How you doing today, Sister Joe? Oh, my foot, my toe, pastor, my big cord on my leg. Oh, everything's wrong. You get depressed talking to them. But the Lord said, no, don't do that. He slapped me. He said, Psh. he said, come here, come here. Psh. Get up, get up, get up. I'll tell you something. Sometimes the Lord gets chasing you. Get up. He said, get encouraged. So that's when I took the bags home and learned. So I came back to the store the next day. And there it was. Girl, check out on Chuck's Death When I Normally when I come out, Pastor, I come out like this. Yes. But this time when she called me, Gary. Check out on Check Stand Five. I came out like Rocky. She said, What's wrong with you? I said, Ain't nothing wrong with me. I'm fine. She said, Okay, three baskets of groceries. She looked at me. I'll never forget this look. She looked at me and she said, Are you ready? I looked back at her, dead in her. I remember her big blue eyes. I said, I'm ready. She started. Doop, 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 doop. I'm down at the other end. Everybody's expecting me to fumble again. I'm taking a I looked at her, I said, Faster! I'm back down. I'm back. I put a beat to it. Tomatoes. I said, faster. She got mad. She was like, when she did that, I did the matrix on her. I said, bam. And when she was done, I was done. And then I said to the lady, would you like for me to carry your groceries out? <laughs> I had a new attitude. 
Because God, even though I was in my dungeon, he said, stay working no matter what. Do not get disengaged. Re-engage to the point where people would come to the grocery store. God gets the glory. People would come to the grocery store and they would say, is Gary James working? They said, yes, he is. They said, yes, because he's the only one I want bagging my groceries. People would come to the store, brother, not even to get groceries. They would come to just watch me bag. They'd sit down with some popcorn and be like, look at that brother, that brother, that brother, that brother, good right there, that brother, that brother, that brother can bag. And then I went to the back and I saw that I got a promotion. So I go to the boss and the boss is like, did you see the boy? I said, yeah. He said, what do you think? I said, I quit. He said, what do you mean you quit? He said, because what you didn't know was that while you was promoting everybody over me and I was working diligently to be faithful to God, your competitor grocery store called me and offered me greater pay with a greater position with any days off that I choose. What I'm trying to tell you that if you're going to be a bag boy, be the best bag boy that you can be. If you're going to go to a dungeon, own that dungeon until God moves you to your next season. But what happens most of the time is that we allow the devil to disenfranchise us, to separate us, to discourage us, and move us away from the fire, and he begins to devour us. Like Joseph, you got to keep working, being diligent. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. COVID has made some of us lazy. We've lost our enthusiasm. We've lost our faith and our trust in God. I'm not saying be crazy. I'm not saying be irresponsible. What I'm saying is that at some point, we got to believe what we believe and walk in it. Don't be lazy. I work with my young people. I remember my sons, my sons, my, 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 my younger sons. You know, we got to teach our young people to be enthusiastic about God. Are you listening to me? If they're going to come up here and read the scripture, teach them how to read the word of God. My sons used to have this lazy language where they talk to each other, and I couldn't understand them. I said, Trayvon, did you take the garbage out? I said, what did you say? I said, and then his brother looks at me and says, he says, I'll take it out later. So they understand each other. I said, boy. We got to learn, learn how to talk. We got to learn how to have communication. Listen, I, I, I'm all for social media. I love it. I think it's great. We, I, so I, I use it all the time. But at some point, we got to talk to each other. We can't lose that intimacy. It is not good that man should be alone. Sometimes my millennial texts me these three-page texts. I said, you got to call me. Number three, learn to be humble and forgive no matter what. Joseph had to learn how to be humble and forgive. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. Be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Do you imagine, can you imagine what Joseph had to go through? I don't know if you remember the story, but remember his brothers came and they didn't recognize him. But he recognized them. And at that time, he was governor. He had power. Power to get even. And they, he, he recognized them. Has anybody ever done you wrong and then you get back in the connection with them and all the flood of what they did just comes back? That came back to Joseph. So when he saw them, he was probably like, oh, 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 that's my brother. He probably had to go to the side and say, oh, 
He's like, oh, let me get my stuff together. He said, all right, Lord, show me how to deal with this. So he goes back out. Now, if I was Joseph, and I recognized my brothers, I'd have been like, I got hungry. <laughs> I went waving a bag of rice in their face. It's so tempting to get even, but God wants us to get right. Forgiveness is a very important tool in family, a very important tool in learning to grow. There are steps to forgiveness. You have to learn how to forgive. Forgiveness is the first step, but the second step is you got to learn how to trust again. And then you still might have to deal with the hurt and pain. Sometimes that may never go away. And in order for Joseph to be used by God, and understand that family matters. He had to learn to forgive once again. And we know that all things work together to them that love God, who is called according to his purpose. I'm ready for you, my brother. You know why? Because family matters to God. Family matters to God. Can I tell you how God dealt with me before I close? Can I be honest? Can the preacher be honest? Most of my life I've been in youth ministry. Teaching young people, sharing with them my story. You heard a little bit of it last night, especially about the relationships. How to keep yourself pure. Wait until God sends you that person before you open up your heart and your soul, especially when it comes to intimacy. Taught that around the world. My sons traveled with me around the world listening to this over and over and over again. Talk to them about what it looks like to build a family, the family that they had come from. And then, after all of that, both of my sons, both of our sons, but my youngest son first, he gets a woman pregnant out of wedlock. And she already had a child. He texts me on Thanksgiving Day. I'll never forget, I was on that visiting family on the East Coast, and he texts me and says, I'm going to be a daddy. I didn't know how to respond. Since he texts me, I sent him an emoji back, like this. That's how I. I was so angry. How could you make me look like a fool? Everybody knows what the great pastor Gary James preaches about family and celibacy and keeping it locked down until you're married. Yes, that's what Pastor Dave teaches. But now, his own son. I stopped talking to my son. And I certainly didn't want to have nothing to do with what now I could call baby mama drama. Because I sat. And I've counseled so many people against this. Listen, you don't want this. This is what it causes. I went through all of that. And now, I'm crying at God. How could you let this happen to me? You know that I've opened my mouth and pointed people to your word and guided them, and yet you let this happen to 
I don't want to talk to my son. I don't want to see him. Families matter, preacher. So one day the Lord was talking to me. He talked strong to me. He said, you big hypocrite. So what, Lord? He said, you're a hypocrite. You stand up before all these people and they think you're one thing. Look at you. Now your own flesh and blood needs you. You counseled every millennial, every young person, married couples. Now your son needs you and you turn your back. You don't, this is what God told me. This was the part that struck me. This part was the knife, Pastor. He said, you don't get to pick and choose to where compassion goes. That's not your job. He said, I am the God. Abraham, Isaac, and Trayvon. That's my sons. He said, now call your son. Sit down and you talk to him. And you call up the woman he got pregnant and you talk with her. And you welcome them into your home. And you love them like I loved you when you were out there wilding out. When I should have disowned you and disconnected from you and disengaged from you. But you know why I didn't, Gary? Why, God? Because family matters. Okay, how long you've been preaching and teaching, how long you've been in the church, God will put you on an autopsy table and show you yourself. You think you somebody. He will show you. You worried about what people think about you. I'm trying to show you what I think. God can look where nobody else can see. You got on a pretty hat and a nice dress. You say all the religious nice things. You got on the guard. But God is looking where nobody else can see. That's at your heart. Family matters. Grant cried with my son. I was hurt. I was so hurt. Never been hurt so But I had to hug him and, and cry with him and let him know. It's going to be all right. And we know that all things work together for good. God bless me with that little girl. He said, she's mine. Family matters to me. Get all that step stuff and that blended family and all that kind of stuff. Y'all step, y'all were blended, y'all belong to the devil. And I adopted you back through the blood of my son, Jesus Christ. You don't get to pick and choose to who, where you show compassion. Why? Because family matters. Show them Jesus. I said, you're right. Sometimes the Lord can't really use you until he allows you to be broken. Broken on that altar. And remind you that family matters to God.
I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Lord, I don't want to be that judgmental looking down my nose. I don't want to be spewing out scriptures and, and, and rules and regulations for which the Bible doesn't support. All I want to do is speak your words because you reminded me that family matters to God. So don't get disengaged. I know the church may have hurt you. I know it may not be exciting now. Maybe you're afraid. Maybe you've gotten used to Zoom and online meetings. Maybe you've gotten comfortable in a year and a half of being away. But God wants you to re-engage. He needs you to come together. We are more powerful when we are together because family matters to God. He says, my people, I need you to re-engage. Don't just look online. Come together. I know you're afraid. Be precautious. Wear your mask. Do your social distancing. But I got you. I need you to come together and re-engage. The world is re-engaging. The world is not afraid to come together. Why are my people who have the powerful promises of God afraid to re-engage? Family matters to God. Perhaps there's someone out there that has been disengaged. And tonight, you've learned that God has called you by your name, even your hood name. He's not ashamed of you. Family matters to God. And you want to be a part of that family. And that's who you are. The Spirit of God has spoken to you tonight. Just gently stand to your feet. Whoever you are, whatever your situation is. And hear God say, family matters to me. During COVID, family matters. During earthquakes and pestilences and difficult times and financial struggles, family matters to me. We'll get through this as a family. All things work together for good to those that love God, who are the called, but we got to do it my way. I know you weren't expecting to be in this season, in this place. I know you're expecting to have a full-time job with full-time pay, but you're in this season. But hold on. We got to do it my way. Because family matters to me. That's you today. That's you tonight. And stand and serve notice to the enemy. Family matters. I'm re-engaging God. Tell the disciples and Peter, God is including you. Word tonight, we thank you for blessing us and guiding us. Help us to remember, Lord, that we have been adopted. We were created. But Lord, you doubled it up. You adopted us back into the family of God. The devil wants us to think that we are stepchildren. He wants us to think that we're just a blended family that has to try to figure it out. But your blood has made us through adoption sons and daughters of the living God. We will not be isolated by the enemy, disengaged because of the ideals of men, but by the blessings of God. 
Your seat may feel like a magnet right now, but yet God is telling you, I need you to stand to your feet. I'm talking to you. I'm calling you. Family matters to me, young man. Whoever you are. Marriage, husband, wife. I want to be re-engaged. I want to be a better father. I heard the testimony tonight. I want to spend time with my children, with my family, with my wife. How long before now and dead or until Jesus comes? Am I going to live like this? I need to engage now. We're running out of daylight. I want to be a better mother. I want to know about my children and who they are. I want to be a better brother, a better sister. I want to reconnect some things. My mother I haven't talked to in a while. My father, my brother, my sister, the tension that's there, that's been there for years. Family matters to God. No, they won't reach out to me. It's their fault, but I'm going to reach out to them. Why? Because family matters. At least give it a try, God. God wants to fix some things. And just remind us of that simple word that family matters to Him. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and yes, even Jacob. Thank you, God, for protecting us tonight from the evil one. Continue to guide us and help us as we go through this process of re-engaging. Thank you for the powerful testimonies that were so encouraging tonight, especially to me, oh God. God is able and he will work all things out with the prerequisites. This is our prayer. We lift up in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Let everybody say. same spirit just like last night what we want to do is give everyone an opportunity if you have personally been dealing with something you don't need to share what it is but if you need prayer you need somebody to pray with you I'm going to be sitting right here if you need a word of encouragement because of the season that you're in right here I'm going to wait for you as they sing. Jesus. 